And if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, we've got some out in the foyer. We'd be happy to give you one. John chapter 1 is about three quarters of the way through your Bible, which you're going, wait a minute, I thought we were starting at the beginning. But listen to these words from John, who was a, a, a lifelong follower of Jesus, said he was one of his best friends. And uh, the words here, why he starts the same way he does in the beginning. See, he had this Jewish roots. And at the beginning of the Jewish book, the Torah, which is also the beginning of our book, the Bible, says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so we listen to the apostles' words in chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if you heard those words uttered back in the time when they were written, we would all got it. We would have understood where he was going with this. But today, you know, a couple thousand years later, it's like, what are you talking about this word in Greek is the logos? We're going to just skip a whole bunch of deep theology there. It's, fan, it's very fascinating, but not our point today, so you'll have to dig into it yourself. Um, and just substitute in Jesus everywhere we see the word word, okay? Trust me, it's a little later in the passage, you can see that, that it reads that way. And so we could say it like this, it packs a bigger punch and makes more sense. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Think about that for just a minute, friends. It's either audacious or it's earth-shattering. Those words, are, they're either preposterous or they are world-changing. They're the reason we would sing, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let's, let's say them again together slowly, to help us to really compute this. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. The Torah reads, in the beginning God created. But here we see John claiming that in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God. Do you see this? Relating preceded creating. Relating preceded creating. Before time began, there was this perfect, harmonious, loving relationship within this multidimensional being. From there, God's creative word was spoken, and we get a very big bang. Verse 3. Through him, all things were made. Without him, that is Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. 
While John doesn't answer the why question in this passage, we know from numerous scriptures that God is good, loving, merciful, kind. In fact, later in a, a letter, the apostle just puts it this way, God is love. But love can't really be love except in relationship. It's that relationship where it's manifested. And so Jesus made all of creation, but particularly humanity, for an intimate, loving relationship. He breathed that spark of life into us, and cherished friendship was birthed. As John puts it, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. Back in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 3, you may remember that God walked in the cool of the day looking for Adam and Eve to have relationship with them, to enjoy them. I love that image. In the cool of the day, he made them for relationship. These two beings that, that, were, that were created separate with the ability to choose to love him, to choose to follow him, and to bear his image before all of creation. Friends, you and I were made for a relationship, right? We were designed to be together with others and with God. The isolation, that was never God's intent. To live alone Life is not found in aloneness. Yet, as Henry Thoreau wrote during his own self-selected isolation, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Quiet desperation. Have you ever felt that? It seems to me as, as connected as we are through Facebook and Twitter, through texting and Skyping, and coffee shop dates and on and on, that we still have this real disconnect in culture. People are lonely. And there's just this sense of, of not being known on that real intimate level. We look everywhere to satisfy this longing in our hearts, but the longer we go unfulfilled, the more desperate it becomes. And then, and then we're, we're in this culture that we're, we're constantly be bombarded by the media with all kinds of alarming images and things that, that make us fearful, more desperate, longing for, for something like Eden. We can't put a finger on it, hoping we can find it. And then what do we do? What do we, what do we go towards? It seems as, as we enter this Christmas season that the dominant pulse of culture is buy stuff, get stuff, get stuffed with stuff, 
Get filled with cream filling. Get busy with busyness. Shop till you drop. Don't stop and think because you might feel that emptiness, that void inside of you. That hollowness. Amidst the most wonderful time of the year, deep down, don't we feel this dissatisfaction, this, this longing, this near desperation at times? There's something else. I'd like to share a story with you. It's a, a true story. It's of a, a boy who grew up in a middle upper class family. His dad was uh, the, kind of the not the religious type. His mom was a, a Christian, a real Jesus person. As he went along in life, he, he was showing himself to have quite an aptitude in school. Just, wow, head and shoulders above his classmates, doing great, being at home, positive marks. Then uh, a long time's uh, puberty, and teen years, and okay, suddenly he's got some other interests there. Eventually falls in love and into bed with a, a woman, somebody from the other side of the tracks, though, uh, while, while they share uh, a long relationship and even have a child together, he's not, not quite ready to settle down to, to choose this person. So far, the story's not, not that far off of uh, many in our culture today, right? This, this may be your story, our friend you know. Well, he, he goes on to be so uh, gifted and, and doing so well in school that he gets hired on at a college. And then another college. And, and after a decade, he lands a position at the most prestigious college in the whole world. His son, he gets custody of his son moves to that, that town and parts ways with this woman to kind of, okay, he's going to settle down now, become a respectable person, you know, get married to somebody that his family would approve of. Underneath it all, though, he's still feeling that, that angst, that discomfort. What's it all about? Restlessness. He, uh, he starts to connect with this Christian leader in the community, a real spiritual man, who starts to share with him the story of Jesus. And as they, they go back and forth in dialogue, discussing what makes a meaningful life, he begins to find himself believing in this story of this Jesus who was before all things and who came into the earth to save humanity. Eventually, one hot summer day, he jumps in, I mean, and literally into the water, gets baptized, becomes a follower of this Jesus, and it changes the trajectory of his life radically. Still, this story isn't all that unusual, right? This may be some of your story, that radical change. Somebody you know. What makes this story really fascinating, though, to me, is that this man's birthday was 
354 AD. He was born in northern Africa, in Algeria. His name was Augustine Aurelius. Today we know him as Saint Augustine of Hippo. And his influence in the world, particularly in the West, is felt everywhere. Whether you know his name or not, you've been touched by this man's life. Listen to these words from his autobiography, the most well-known autobiography of all time. He writes these words. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. Our heart is restless until it rests in you, God. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, across continents and oceans, languages and cultures, doesn't this man's life and words speak to the heart of the matter today? I mean, is he really that much different than us sitting here in 2015? Friends, this Christmas season, our creator, Jesus himself, is quietly calling to us amidst Henry Thoreau's quiet desperation, amidst Augustine's restlessness, our restlessness, to come to him and find rest, peace, fulfillment, love. He longs, oh, how he longs to, to break down the walls that separate us, to have this intimate relationship with us that he designed from long ago. So we know, we know he loves us, that he longs for a relationship with us. But who exactly is this creator Jesus? Let's examine verse 3 more carefully. He writes, Through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Through Jesus, all things were made. Consider that. I mean, we're talking from the tiniest subatomic particle, the neutrino, the building block of all matter, the impossibly complex DNA that makes your eyes brown or blue and makes my hair begin to thin, unfortunately. You know, I read that if you, if you were to line all of the DNA found in your body, it would stretch from earth to the sun. A hundred times. Now, Google it. It may be preposterous, but I mean, even if it's like, even if it was just one time, that's crazy. From robust redwoods to romantic red roses, raging fire to rigid icebergs, a mile thick. Everything we see and don't see 
the frosty air we breathe, the warmth of the sun, the colors to make paintings and make clothing and and make all of that we see out there vibrant. And I think if, if I made the, the world, you know, and just be this monochrome, like you got red, you got green, you got yellow, maybe black, white, but all this options. Listen to this one. From the rapturous sounds of a Mozart symphony played passionately on horsehair bows, the sound waves oscillating through the atmosphere, banging around in our eardrums, interpreted by an incomprehensibly complex series of electrochemical events in our brains to bring us to tears from invisible ducts located in the corners of our eyelids. I didn't know any of that. Just Google it. Jesus created all things. Wow. I remember taking an astronomy class in college. It really blew my mind. You're, you're going you're gonna to get wrecked when you, you watch this part. Check out this video. You could fit a million Earths inside the sun. It's nearly a million miles in diameter, yet our sun is tiny compared to the really big stars out there. Eta Carinae, over five million times larger than our sun. Betelgeuse, 300 times larger than Eta Carinae. If it was our sun, it would reach as far out as Jupiter. And then there's this monster, V.Y. Canis Majoris, the largest star ever discovered, a billion times bigger than our sun. What? That's ridiculous. It can't be. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is how big he is when he goes big to create. Let's go a billion times bigger than the sun. And yet he draws near to us and wants relationship with you and me. When was the last time you just stopped and marveled at what Jesus had made? Whether we're looking through a microscope or a telescope, his signature is everywhere. We walk around constantly surrounded by masterpieces. I mean, look at me. I mean, seriously, look at me. I am a masterpiece. Now, we all smile and chuckle. You think I'm joking. But guess what? The creator of Neptune, Mars, Canis Majoris, 
which is the big dog, by the way. He made me and he made you as the pinnacle of creation, a masterpiece. Do you know that? Do you know it full well? When was the last time you stopped and looked in the mirror at what Jesus sees? Yes, we're broken. Yes, we've done wrong. Yes, we're decaying. But we bear the image of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen to what the eminent Oxford professor C.S. Lewis writes. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. So many of us walk around like we don't measure up. Like we're less than. We're maybe not worthless, but we're worth less. Worth less than that great basketball player or that incredible politician or that Vanity Fair model. Not true. Masterpieces. Masterpieces. And in Jesus, we're being renewed day by day. And someday, like Carol, whom we heard about, who's passed on to the other side, made immortal. Glorious in every way. And it's, it's really uh, easy to lose sight of this though, isn't it? In a, in a particular, in the hustle bustle of this time of year, you know, you, we're all trying to get the best deal. Got the ho, 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 Merry Christmas while I snag your parking place trying to elbow in past that neighbor to get that big screen plasma TV, last one left at Target. It's with immortals that we push around, neglect, disown, get mad at. Extended family over the holidays, anybody have some of that happening? Yep, definitely no ordinary people at my dinner table. I had a bunch of nut jobs over for holidays, right? Okay. Point taken. You know, it can also be difficult to see the goodness of Jesus amidst this, this world on fire. I mean, you have to be living underneath a rock not to notice how incredibly broken the world is. And every day on the news, you, you have to be afraid of what you're going to find out. But friends, this, this wasn't how the story started. It wasn't 
all messed up in the beginning. Tim's going to talk about that next week. You want to be here for it. But in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Perfect, harmonious relationship within this God we call the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit. He made us in love for relationship to be lasting, deep, and intimate. And He made all the things we see Touch, taste, hear, and smell for our enjoyment and for his glory. Because he's just creative that way. Understanding this story, this foundation, it's what makes a meaningful life. It's what grounds us in history. Helps us understand where we're going. So friends, as we see Christmas lights begin to dot the houses and stores around our county, brightening the neighborhood, what if we could see more than lights? But remember the maker of color and light itself, the one who said in him was life and that life was the light of man. As we sip eggnog, and, and I don't know about you, but I reserve that to after Thanksgiving. It's none of this red holiday cups before Thanksgiving. It's, I mean, you can do the, you know, pumpkin, mocha, none of this eggnog before. Okay, that's law in my book. But point is, as we sip it now, in these great days, and, and we experience every kind of cookie under heaven. Instead of just feasting, could we remember the God who loved us so much that he created 10,000 taste buds on our tongues and grouped them as sweet, bitter, salty, all for our rapturous pleasure, enjoyment. And could we, at the same time, treat our bodies as they are, temples of the Holy Spirit? Now, hey, pastor, you got us coming and going here. We're like, you're telling us to eat cookies on one hand and then treat our bodies well. Come on, man. I mean, but okay, you got to sort that out. While we walk through spaces like this, parties, in the the office, at our homes, in shopping malls, what if we could see one another as we truly are masterpieces, broken, lost, maybe alone, but immortals? great value to God. How would that change our interactions during this Christmas season with family, with friends, with enemies? And as we sing 
Christmas carols as we hear them on the radio and in the grocery store, would we wonder at the master musician, Jesus Christ, who didn't just give us the ability to communicate, but to combine sounds from our voices, from a myriad of instruments, in a great harmony, not a cacophony, but a beautiful sound that draws us toward one another and toward him, the gift of music. Could we remember him in those carols in a different way? Church, these are just a few of the gifts that we can see and experience if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, tongues to taste. Jesus made us for himself, for that wonderful relationship, and he longs for us. How great is he, the maker of the stars? The more we know him, the more we'll just be wowed and marvel at all he has made. As the worship team comes up, will you sing with me, how great is our God? How great is our God? Stand and sing. How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. One more time, just your voices sing out. How great is our God. 